Hello, reanimated fans. Greetings and salutations. I'm H.A. Conrad, coming to you from Brooklyn, and here, as always, with my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. Bonjour. From the West Coast, not France, as you may have worried hearing his greeting. You might have been concerned, given that amazing I, delivery. <laughs> you might have been super concerned. Um, Most of the times but, I speak French to a French person, they go, uh, excuse me? <laughs> that's, that's generally the reaction when anybody speaks, you know, <laughs> French to a French person. Uh, usually they kind of like... Respond in English with a inquisitive... In English and just like, yeah, n- nice try. Um, and you know what? I don't necessarily... I, don't, I, I don't, can't blame him, dude. I, you know what? This this show we're going to be talking about Daryl Dixon today, by the way, peeps. And uh, it as usual, the sh- when I hear French spoken, it is not at all like the school French that I learned. It is kind of just how it always goes. And I didn't, although I did do a couple of French exchanges. Uh, I was a bad French student, mm. um, and that is that legacy is carried on into my adulthood. So uh, it's <laughs> I can't blame the French for speaking English to me because my French is not good. Agree. Um, same. I can read it. I can generally understand it if I try really hard. <laughs> but I've, my speaking abilities are are very poor. Um, so anyway, I cannot blame that. Um, so in any case, we're talking about Daryl Dixon today. Before we get to that, we have a couple of little news items. Um, and there is a little update to the Romero Twilight of the Dead uh, project, which it now has a director attached, uh, Brad Anderson, I believe. That's the name of the gentleman. Yep. Um, so what it seems like that? it's actually moving forward, at least to some extent, um, yeah. to the extent that we know. We'll see. What and, well, the movie is going to be called Twilight of the Dead. I don't know if we knew that before. We did. Maybe, I think. maybe we did. Okay. But this is the seventh and final installment. Uh, so they're putting a pin in it. And there's a Romero, Suzanne is one of the producers. Yep. Um, so, you know, um, we shall see what happens with this, but this is a little bit more uh, motion forward, um, but there's still a lot of like, um, a lot of variables, a lot of things that are very vague. Um, there's a lot of, we expect to move forward with the production, et cetera, et cetera. And again, you'd have to see what happens with the writer, the, the SAG-AFTRA strike and all that fun stuff. Um, I guess it depends on where they actually do it. Um, so, you know, typically these these types of films have been sort of outside of the regular industry. But I still think that per, my guess is, is that there's probably way too much money attached to this to try to like couch it as a indie film but we'll see um so there's that um and then you you found this aquaman 2 trailer thing which you know definitely some 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 hints of the undead in this yeah uh you know if you go to what what minute was it the trailer's kind of long it's two minutes and 40 seconds long but if you start the trailer at like one minute and 38 seconds um and this is where I find this film spot on YouTube one minute and 38 seconds. They start talking about Manta. He's back in the sequel, everybody. And he has like some sort of thing that maybe has allowed him to tap into a world of undead mer creatures. You, you get a real quick glimpse of them on screen. So there might be like a, you know, uh, (laughs) Aquaman undead theme in the, in the sequel that's coming out in December. Hmm. The first one was pretty entertaining, if a bit bloated. This one looks the same. 
All right. Well, it bloated. It bloated, but we shall see. Um, but now to our main course of this this lovely little podcast. Um, so the long-awaited Daryl Dixon uh, Walking Dead spinoff is out. Uh, this is the first episode, and um, it is uh, definitely um, very French. <laughs> it's not very French. I think it's pretty watered <laughs> down. No, it is watered down, but it is. I wonder of- how much like French cultural uh, consultants that they even had on it. I know they shot in France and everything and they have French actors, but it I don't know, like it feels it feels like he's running into a lot of people who speak English. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it, like that is the thing is that generally people do speak English and, you know, uh, I mean, not, maybe in Paris, but he was in he's in the countryside near Marseille, right? That's where. That's yeah, where he rolls up. I guess a little less, but I don't know. I still think uh, generally a lot of younger people do speak English, at least as I've yeah, seen. Maybe, but it's also uh-huh. how, we don't know where he when he is in the uh, in the apocalypse. Uh, Dead City was something like fifteen years, I think, at least in the future uh, or after D- Z Day. We don't know when uh, D- Dixon's taking place, but it could it's probably around the same time or within uh, five years on either side. Um, so people like we meet some children in this we meet some young people who would have had all of their english learning in a traditional school setting um after the apocalypse i guess which is possible given some of the settings that this story seems to have started in at least but like a character like maribel who (laughs) cracked me up but seems to have learned english on the internet uh Mm -hmm. and she doesn't seem that old she learned yeah. it from her, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, anyway. What's cracking, um, noob, is her introductory English statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. So I, I'm I'm curious um, how they're going to continue with this. There's There was English. In, there were very few f- French-only scenes mm. in this episode. Um, and I guess they're trying to make it approachable for an American audience who maybe. But, you know, like, I, I've got to wonder what, what the balancing act is of that. Daryl Dixon, very popular character, American audience, mostly, I assume. And they're going to make it in subtitles. And he doesn't speak French, as one would expect of a Daryl Dixon, right? Yeah. So uh, it's it's just an interesting it's an interesting puzzle uh, that I, I look forward I know, to. He might bust out his fluency in French later. We'll I mean, see. he learned sign language pretty quickly on the show, didn't he? I mean, he's he's pretty skilled in figuring things out in survival. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like he has it in him to learn another language. That's all. He could. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, did you happen to notice it, it, her name popped up on the screen like a long time into the show, frankly? But uh, did you notice who one of the executive producers was? One of our favorite people? Oh, I didn't. Angela Kang. Oh, nice. I, I guess I missed that, but that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly, it's way, way into the story by the time her name pops up, because it feels like the credits just go on for a good 10 minutes. But Angela Kang is involved in the show. I thought she'd kind of put it all in the back uh, in the rear view, but she did still she was still supposed to be working with AMC, as I recall, hmm. just on different stuff. Um. Anyway, so it feels it feels good. Honestly, I really like this first episode. I don't know where you landed on it. I felt like it was it felt fresh. In a way, because they got rid of so many, like, got rid of the whole cast. Like, you don't have to worry about all that. Um. 
Yeah, I I actually was this was this was good. I enjoyed this first episode a lot more than the you know the I know I'm gonna call it the wrong thing. <laughs> the dead the city. dead city. The dead city. Um, the dead city had a decent pilot also, although it was a little bit wish like weird. Yeah, yeah um, I do like that they basically start this out in a you know it's not his journey to France, which is what we were a little worried about. Like, is it going to be um, a lot of showing how he gets there, but they don't do that. Um, this is really this right off the bat. He's like in France. Um, so I, it, I mean, I'm sure they're going to do flashbacks eventually how they got, how he got there. And they did a little bit of that at least to show how he ended up, um, you know, almost like shipwrecked. Um, and so, there were a lot of questions and some of them were answered in that, in that last scene for me, um, just in terms of like, Hey, how did he end up? I was like, you know, you see him in the, on this like weird little boat, like a little lifeboat. And you're just like, there's no way Daryl like rode all the way across the ocean. Right. But then you could also see them a scenario where they'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that they didn't decide to go. Yeah, but I'm sure, glad they not? didn't do that. And so they, but we don't find that out till later, but anyway, yeah. It's very much like a, a shipwreck thing. Um, and then there's like a lot of, you know, sort of him trying to figure out exactly where he is because he doesn't know and, you know, kind of like rummaging around. Um, I did like his sort of, you know, wandering through like the abandoned little towns. I thought that was kind of cool and just sort of. But there's a couple of mysterious things that they do here, which, you know, felt to me a little bit odd and a little bit forced. And one of them is when he ends up on that boat with the tape recorder. Like why would, I don't know, why would he even play it? Would their batteries work? Um, there's also a lot of him drinking random water that's been hanging out for a really long time. The, the bucket on the beach. I'm like, yeah. that's going to be salt water, dude. You're under the high tide line, but no, right. he just I, like, so he comes like right at and grabs this bucket, drinks it. And I was like, this, what, this doesn't even make sense. Um, and as a survival, like a person that's like a survivalist, which he definitely is, he would know better, even as thirsty as he might be. And then he finds like a random bottle of it's almost like half drunk water. Oh, yeah. Um, the best stuff when you're thirsty. I mean, that one is way better than the bucket water, which was probably guess, 100% it's not salt water. Sealed. It's not sealed. It could still be growing things. And oh, like, sure. yeah. I don't know. I just don't feel like he'd do it. It's I a, think when you're thirsty it's enough, you're going to drink. You're, you'll. I think that that's fairly. I don't know, Stuart. I don't know. I think that's just he wouldn't put his life into the hands of this like little cesspool of what bottled water. But well, AJ, case, this is why we wouldn't survive the zombie apocalypse, because you'd be like, I'm not drinking that. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> like, like, you know, two days later, somebody else finds your body. Just like wouldn't drink the water is the epitaph. Uh, that's possible. It's totally possible. But anyway, he's like going around. There's these clues like he's, you know, I don't know. Like he's learning about this film. Maybe he's just starved for like any kind of interaction. Um, so fine. I guess you can have the batteries work, but I think that's weird that they do. Um, and he's listening to this little tape recorder. And then he like tapes himself and, you know, okay, cool, cool. Did he Got tape that. over the other guy's tape? Yeah, it's like. What I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to. This is a heart wrenching story about this Irish family who like set out from southeastern Ireland, hit, hit up a couple places in the UK, then France, all the way around Spain, uh, and then 
eventually like put in at Marseille and he said it was something like 19 months on the boat or something like that. Uh, yeah. trying just trying to find somewhere safe, which puts that tape at yeah, like 10 plus years old. Also, the batteries definitely would not be still alive. Yeah. So anyway, you know, we got that going on and then him wandering around. Um, again, there's like a couple of things they do, which you don't totally, I guess he's just comfortable pretty much walking into a situation, but there's this whole thing where he walks in and, you know, they're sort of like dormant walkers and they're a new type of walker and they call them something else, right? Lurkers. Brulant. They're brulant. They call them brulant, but there was also like in the subtitles, it calls them a lurker or something. I didn't. Um, I didn't and see that. So but they, were, a- they were all lying down when he walked in. And, you know, on the, on the door, it, there was like, they're, they're showing how he is kind of, you know, disabled in this way in France because he doesn't, I mean, maybe he wouldn't have paid attention to a warning sign anyway. But on the door, it said uh, les affamés or something inside the, you know, the hungry, I think. Yeah, was. it's like dead inside the same thing that they would do in America. Right. Which maybe, maybe he would have ignored it anyway. But they, and he'd walk past other graffiti, too. I think they're going to be doing things with French graffiti in this show, which I'm kind of excited for. The other one that he walked by was, uh, what the hell was it? Pouvoir des vivants, which is like the powers of the living or something along those lines, mm. uh, which clearly plays into this, too. Um, and then later he's reading a sign when he has a little guidebook and he's like translating it, uh, which is how he finds out. Which is how he knows where he is in a way when he gets to the convent later, because it's a convent flyer uh, for the Union of Hope uh, that God loves you, I think is what it said. Yeah. Uh, either way, I'm I'm a sucker for burying like contextual storytelling, and and so they do it with these with these signs, which he in this case ignores and walks into the warehouse where some a whole bunch of zombies get up, and one and these are. A variant that we have not yet run into. The variant that we know about is strong and fast, kind of, right? Like, or no, climbers. Mm. Climbers are the ones we ran into at the end of season eleven. Uh, strong and fast, I think, are the ones we saw in the um, was it the world beyond? Maybe the uh, end credits, which was in France, and they were like breaking a door open, a metal mm-hmm. door. And then these ones have these weird raised veins on their arms, faces, and chests. And when they touch uh, Daryl, one of them puts a hand on him. It burns him. And apparently, we find out later, can spread. So not only a bite, but now uh, a touch. This is is very bad news for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Um, And the way that, I mean, it's like almost like an acid burn. And um, I mean, immediately when I saw it happen, I mean, I would think that he would freak out a little bit more than he did, honestly. But I guess he didn't have too much time. But like, it's, um, you know, anything where they infect you, like, or or have some kind of like, interaction like that, you would imagine it's going to cause some consternation and concern. Um, But he doesn't see he seems like, God damn, like it hurt or whatever, but he doesn't seem all that concerned. Um, and I guess for the burner stuff, at least as we find out later, there's a way to stop it. But um, I guess it's not as quickly moving as a bite or whatever, because, well, you know, I was uh, half convinced they were going to cut his arm off. For this I thought show. They, were, they were going to, too. And I was like, oh, OK, oh, well, that's that's going to be tough for Norman Reedus. But OK, yeah, but anyway, uh, we get so we get a bunch of like nice shots of him walking across the French countryside, southern France, a lot of white rock. Uh, old aqueducts probably dating back to the you know Roman Empire. I do love seeing this stuff. Gives me a real uh, wanderlust. 
uh it's kind of like you know daryl's doing his um his european <laughs> vacation in the zombie apocalypse uh which is cool and then he gets into that warehouse and uh and and then it's like back on the road which is uh, and back on the road is where well he's he sees that sign he sees the person watching him who we see and they watch each other for a second and then he stumbles into mirabelle and guillaume uh who are in theory granddaughter and grandfather that might actually be true but i i don't know Hard um Hard to tell. And at first I thought she I thought Mirabelle was maybe that young man that we'd been seeing in the trailers because she they have they both have long brown hair. There, there's not a whole lot of other resemblance. But mm. first episode, I was like, oh, is this like, wow, how uh, convenient that he's just meeting this kid that apparently the show is all about. But no, she turns out to be Mirabelle, who says, what's cracking, noob? And then they talk a little bit about World War Two. And about whether or not they can travel together. And they share food for medicine. Because he has managed to scrounge up quite a lot of stuff. Uh, and this this also introduces the first of several scenes of vehicles sneaking up on people. Which, I guess if this episode yeah, has an Achilles heel, it's this. It's that these there's a gas couple, like, yeah, there's, there's a couple things like this. But yes. Um, however, I, there's one, uh, you know... Um, there's one exception to this where Daryl's like, yeah, I hear a car. I'm going to get off. the road." <laughs> but, yeah. but, but in- it, yeah, they, they, I was like, Oh, does Daryl have a superpower? But in that case, there were three vehicles every other time. It was just one rolling up, but there's three other th- times during the show when a vehicle has managed to get within definite earshot of an engine and people, and they just have no idea. And then like as an audience in one of those scenes, in one of those scenes as an audience, we can hear it for like, several seconds before the uh, people turn around and, and look at and it. And the, the players uh, just don't really react where, very much. So I'll admit to you that in this first instance, I was like, oh, do they know these guys? Like, are they part of their crew? And this is like them doing it? Because like, it, it was really, con- that I thought was kind of confusing just because nobody was reacting in the way that you think they would in this situation, given all the, I mean, especially Daryl, like Daryl's had a lot of experience with a lot of different types of big bads. And like, yeah, this just felt a little weird to me. Like it feels weird. I mean, he gets up and he goes, he gets a little bit defensive looking, but the, but the problem is, is that they had it come through the gates into this compound that where they're sitting with zero notice. So he has no chance to do much. Uh, But yeah. And we still don't really know, who these guys are, the guerriers, the soldiers, and what their purpose is, what their role is. Are they saviors? Not sure. But uh, certainly later on in this episode, uh, uh, they, they're they all like community people. People know who they are, and they've, they've got history. But in this case, they don't know Maribel, Guillaume, or Daryl. Um, and this is one of the few scenes in the show that is all in French, uh, with Daryl not speaking, and the French people talking to him in French, um, and Maribel sort of saying like, he's an American. He just showed up here. We don't know. Um, and actually this scene does not have a lot of subtitles either. Cause she translates for him, uh, what they're saying, like, you need to sit down. I thought this was like, personally, this is kind of what I want. I want to get that feeling of lost in translation, like where you just don't know what the f- <laughs> you don't know what's going on. Um, and, and so you can see Daryl's confusion. And I also think, you know, Norman Reedus is doing a good job. I mean, he's, his face often kind of looks a little bit like hard to read, 
Yep. Uh, but he he is a little more hard to read here, <laughs> or or a little more like uh, what's happening. He seems he seems definitely like a fish out of water. In that a little bit about his lack of understanding to sort of you know he uh, he is he but he can read a room and I think he sees like some of the tension and it ends up. Um, he really acts like quite uh, rashly, or I don't know, like he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of facts when he goes into di- action mode here. True. You know, like we, he doesn't know why they're taking Maribel because that's kind of what they decide to do. They're like, all right, you're going to come with us. Then she's fighting back. Like she doesn't want to go with them. So maybe that's all it takes. Maybe he's like, somebody's being taken against their will. Yeah, I'm he, Daryl Dixon. Yeah, I will, I will kill someone. And so he kills someone right away. Uh, what did you think of their gear? Like all these vehicles ha- are like clearly modded. Um, they're, modded, they're tricked out. It seems yeah. like a lot of wasted fuel, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some other thing that they're, you know, again, this is one of those things where it's like, okay, these like marauders are out there. There's probably a limited amount of fuel. Um, well, the fuel, the fuel that they would have had from before is no good, but they've, they must've come up with a way to make fuel, no, whether it's like they have some bio, yeah. something going yeah. on. I don't know. So, yeah. Which is why the vehicle modifications make sense. Like they're using corn or whatever. Right. Or yeah. yeah. And then so, their gear Like, it's kind of funny that the show, the production has decided to go with, yeah, in France, everything is from the Middle Ages. Like, that's just how it... Or a little bit from, like, there's, like, a very odd, like, conglomeration of themes in this. So there's that, but there's also a little bit of the Mad Max thing, because you got a lot of, like, face tats happening. A lot of face tats on these guys. vehicles. Like, it's sort of like... And flintlock pistols and and muskets. yeah. Yeah, you got a lot of, like, weird like cross pollination here in terms of different genres, but yeah. yeah. So medieval, I mean, medieval weapons. Cool. Cool. I mean, I know that yeah, they have a modern military. It's a modern culture. It's a mo- like, or it was when the zombies showed up, it would be like having the uh, Americans running around with muskets. Cause they raided a museum. Maybe there's more of that stuff in France. Almost certainly there is. I mean, they have castles and stuff with, you know, they're just full of old, old weapons and suits of armor, but it just feels it feels a little bit cliche, I guess. Um, but it's still it's also makes for interesting storytelling. I just think that it doesn't seem very realistic. Yeah. And it, it feels a little bit patronizing to the to the French story. It does. Um, it does. Maybe maybe this is only going to be in this part of France, like in this southern area of France. And as they go north, which I think is going to be the, the plot of the show, it'll That'll change. We'll see, I guess. Um, I thought it was maybe also a comment on um, the the sort of gun laws in France where it's like they're not really like, you know, from a weapons point of view, probably things are not as readily available there. That's definitely Um, true. But they still have cops who have guns and they still have an (laughs) army. They have an army. But I think to me, it's like a little bit of a commentary on. Yeah, it could be. But anyway, uh, that's what I was thinking when when I was like, oh, okay, they're going to go this route. But um, in any case, we've got, you know, Daryl's killed of, a guy. Yeah, Daryl's killed a guy, and then things turn quickly. Um, the other in- guy uh, is killed by Maribel, who's like, who says, "Save the powder." When Daryl's about to shoot him with a flintlock, Daryl's also been wounded in this exchange on his neck, shoulder area, and just as he asks for help from Maribel and Guillaume. I, w- I did not see this flip coming. Oh. They quickly 
brain him, rob him, and leave, and he blurrily sees someone else arriving, which we who we can recognize by the headscarf. It's like a maroon color on her head, that it's the woman who was watching him earlier. Uh, and then he passes out. But it was like, wow, that was... You've got to keep your head on a swivel here in France. <laughs> people will show up. You rescue the people you were with from the people who just showed up. And then the people you were with, they're going to roll on you and uh, beat you up and rob you. Man, just just goes to show. This is why we can't have nice things. But he does get saved. He does. But also being saved uh, looks like he might lose an arm at the beginning of his saved portion. But no, of no, no. Just cauterized within hot iron. A hot poker yeah. um and then there's a lot of like kind of florence nightingale-esque slash weird nun things happening with the healing of him and you know he comes to in a monastery it feels a little bit ethereal and strange and dreamlike and you know this this fighting nun comes and like talks to him and there's a lot of like you know handsiness with him healing like especially in the tub it's a little weird yeah uh, that felt that felt a little strange she she puts her hands on him and you could but the thing is he's also uncomfortable with it like so uh, i think yeah. he's just he's just the surrogate for the audience there he's like why is this nun touching me in the bath <laughs> yeah and, and it's like really touching him it's just like what are you doing um and you know there's like a whole conversation between them and it's really like you know He's pretty open about his abuse, but that's also a part of why he is pretty, uh, I don't know, like does not necessarily like. And it's certainly after his just his experience with these other people turning on him, you could imagine he's probably a little bit more on guard. Although in this case, he's just like, I'm in the bath and she's touching me and I don't know what to do. And like, you know, that all that all resolves, except, you know, when he comments on her scars, she kind of reacts in a very different way, which is like kind you, of interesting. I can talk about your scars, but you cannot talk about mine. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um. So anyway, they've got all that going on. Um. And there's a little bit of a sort of setup in terms of what this place is. It's like a, you know, sort of like a sanctuary for everybody. Um. Yeah, because she has all that like uh, doubt. She has Taoist stuff on the walls, and yeah. um, yeah, it's just like this is a welcoming place. These are clearly good guys, you know. Uh, they don't feel, they don't come across as scary nuns at all, uh, except for the fact that they have a weapons room and they've trained to use the weapons. Oh man, let's get to that scene when we get to it. But um, the the weapons room is well st- stocked with. I guess uh, ancient weapons that are that are well maintained. There's a radio that Daryl's extremely interested in, um, and then he's walked around the uh, the rest of the monastery, including to the uh, central what is that cloister, uh, where he enjoys some rustic looking bread and water, and we kind of see Laurent for the first time. Well, not for the first time. The first time was out the window where he was like playing with the nuns. That was a sweet scene too. But now this is the scene where he mimics everything that Daryl does. Yeah, this is a very Spielberg like scene. Like Spielberg does this a lot with like kids mimicking sort of parental figures or people they admire. Uh, the most, uh, the most, the one that I uh, of course brings to mind is the one from Jaws with Brody and his son, um, where they're like sitting at the dinner table and the kids like mimicking everything the dad's eating in very much this way. Hmm. Um, so that's that was like ah, uh, I see what you're doing there. Um, so 
yeah, you know, and, and, you know, Daryl doesn't seem to really like either it's not registering or he's like, he, he finally notices what Laurent is doing, I guess, but like takes a while. And it's just like, if you're sitting across the courtyard and like, what is this kid doing? <laughs> I don't know. And then, and yeah. he's noticing like the nuns talking about him and I don't know. It's, it's a really, he's trying to take it all in. He's trying to figure out what his options are, I think, but he doesn't feel, he does seem relaxed and not on guard. Uh, but then Laurent comes over to him and does this thing that French people can do with language where he introduces himself and takes the word, the name, like, hey, how's it going? My name's Laurent. And he's, <laughs> he like boils his name down into half a syllable. Uh, and I'm just like, if I was Daryl, I would not know what that kid had just said to me. Um, uh, otherwise, his English is like excellent. This kid who was definitely born during the zombie apocalypse, but he's been taught by nuns. So that, and- that one makes sense. And Père Jean, or whatever his name is. Père so. Jean, yes, who has been name-dropped a couple times. Once was in the past tense. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, because Père Jean was a fan of of uh, World War II history, I think, because they have a World War II weapon wall, also <laughs> in addition to their night wall. Uh, it's, again, like this weird, like, everything is historical. They only, they have no modern anything. It's like, the most modern stuff is 1940s. Like, that's wild. Uh, it's just like a production note. Uh, but Laurent comes across as this extremely precocious young young boy, tween. He's probably ten or something, eleven, um, and and he, he ha- they have this in- incredible conversation. Well, it's only a few words, a few lines of text, probably. But he's talking about like how many people do you think are left in France? There were sixty-seven million before the zombies. Now I think there's 200,000 and Daryl's like, I think it's way less than that. And they just go back and forth. And Laurent talks about feeling things in his stomach about how difficult it's going to be to bring back society. Uh, I, I just thought that they were setting this kid up well. And this kid seems well cast to be a child who is more than he seems, or at least a child who seems to be more than he should be. Um, they're, they're, it's, not, it's not surprising later when... Isabel, the main nun, is like, oh, he's the Messiah, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like you're not, you're not like, oh my God, where did that come from? No, you're like, oh no, this kid. He talks about feeling things in his stomach. Uh, he he talks about he says he says he feels things in his stomach twice in that conversation. It was like I feel, I feel it in my stomach when we're going to repopulate France, and I feel it in my stomach that you're a good guy. He says to Daryl, mm-hmm. I feel like something along those lines. Yeah. Oh no! And he says you deserve a happy ending too. And we've already had that flashback from Judith with, and we, with Judith yeah. saying that. And so, with that line, and you know, D- you know, Norman Reedus does a good reaction or not reaction shot of that, as as Daryl is wants to, to not react to things. Uh, that's huge. That's a that's a major thing, and and it's it's surprising to me that Daryl manages not to get sucked into the to the mission, the quest, uh, faster than he does. Yeah, because you think that he's already kind of set up with that trigger and that that definitely hit home with him when the kid says that. Yeah. I mean, how how could it not? Right. He he was having Uh, a dream about Judith and Carol just that morning, like mm -hmm. we had a little flashback. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, He's, you know, he's healing. He also is very uncomfortable generally and places of peace and always wants he's like restless and always wants to kind of go on uh we already know that he's feeling a little bit like a failure based on the thing he said on the tape recorder that he felt like 
you know, he wanted people to know that he was trying to do it just in case something happened to him. Um, trying to do what? Yeah, but that's what we don't know. Um, I mean, the thing is, in the in the flashback, he said he was going to look for Rick and Michonne. Right. Well, he doesn't say that exactly, but he says, I'm going to go find them. They're out there somewhere. Yep. Um, um, but then the rest of this episode, he's like, I went out looking for something. Yeah. So we don't exactly know. And he's very focused on getting to like a port or getting somewhere to get back home. Um, so we know that. And, and, you know, look, this isn't Daryl's first rodeo. So he's always been in these situations where there's like weird factions and things like that. And maybe he's just tired and had enough of that. And so, you know, um, at like, I think he's like, you know, he's always a reluctant hero, right? Um, yeah. so it always takes a minute to get him involved in things. Um, so this yeah. isn't totally shocking that this is how this all played out, right? Um, I guess, I guess not. I just, um, when he like leaves the convent and is after Isabel has been like feverishly trying to get him to agree to take Laurent to uh, Paris. Like that's the mission that she wants to, that, that uh, Père Jean was supposed to do that. Then he became a zombie somehow. They don't really go into how that happened, but now they need a messenger. And Laurent had drawn a, a picture of Daryl three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. It's a good picture. Sure. Daryl's um... Daryl's kind of mean about it. He's like, he should stick to math. I know, I know, it's so mean. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a little far fetched, and like, there's definitely we see where this is going. Like, there's a whole lot of talk about faith, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and and he's given the hard sell that okay, well, maybe you don't believe it, but it could be that. So, don't you want to have hope? So, he's different, and just bring him to this place, and like. Daryl's just like, oh, gosh, like another kid that I'm going to get like saddled with or have to go and do this thing with. And, um, you know, I think he's also hesitant because he doesn't want to lose anybody else. Um, But and he's also seen some evidence of the fact that these people are a little nutty. Um, Yeah, because they still have Père Jean locked up in a room as a zombie. Something like, oh, they're waiting for him for the reawakening or something like that. And it's like, oh, and, you know, we've seen this many times before with people that do this and doesn't usually end well uh, for the people that are holding them. Um, So I think that his instincts are, I'm just going to get out of here. And of course, he, you know, just get dragged back in because he just can't help himself. But uh but I will say the part where it's like he hears the cars coming down the road of the, the you know, gorillas or whatever they want to call them, um, Carrier, and he hears them and he hides. Not very well, but at least he yeah. hides. He, he hides behind a small shrub. We've also had a scene of uh, three soldiers accosting Isabel and Guillaume on the road. I wasn't sure we were going to vi- revisit these two characters, the, the, the people who turned on Daryl after he tried to save them. Uh, they are reading his English to French uh, like phrase book and laughing about how the uh, phrase pear shaped means it's not a situation that's going well. And they think that's funny. And then we can hear the truck pulling up behind them. We can hear it, uh, but it takes a while for them to turn around and they certainly are not out of sight. Um, They try to hold out in giving information about the death of two soldiers. I feel like they might have been able to just spin it right away. But instead, 
it doesn't go well. Guillaume is killed and Isabel is dragged away um, after she says that the, the Daryl basically had tried to rob uh, rob her and her grandfather and that the Guerriers had tried to save her, which is you know plausible. Mm. Although we don't know the Guerriers, maybe they're not in the habit of saving people. You know, I, we don't. We certainly haven't seen anything that would suggest that they are. Um, but so she's taken away by this guy with Mike Tyson style face tattoos, who seems like um, a medium sized big bad, maybe a small big bad, a, a regional big bad, we'll say. Yes. Uh, they're and they're taken away, and he's like, "All right, like we're going to the convent." Oh no, we they go back to the scene of the uh, of the crime. It turns out one of the guys is Michelle, his little brother, and he's very upset. And he finds a flyer to the convent, which I don't know why she would have put one there. Like, that but makes it, no sense. This is like one of those other things. I'm like, okay, you just killed a couple of dudes. Like, why would you make it evident where you were? And, you know, this all just, again, a little bit implausible in terms of like, I don't know, finding, finding those things that, um, like these clues that are just, would never have just, sort of been dropped but cool cool that's what they did and here we go um and they know what the convent is like they even know the name of like one of the sisters there because they somebody knows that she's the one who drops the flyers all that kind of jazz um so so then daryl hears like after all the convincing has failed daryl has left the convent but is only like i don't know a few hundred feet maybe if that down the road when he hears the three vehicles and barely hides behind like a a tree it's like even great he hides behind this little shrub and these three vehicles stop outside the convent seven guys get out including the regional big bad uh he talks his way inside and she knows him the mother superior i forget her name but she's like oh mr kudron uh we're praying right now he's like look i'm coming in no matter what we're looking for american fugitive so then they start to search they, for some reason, why do you think they want to hide? Oh, I know why. Because they try to steal Laurent as soon as they find him. Yeah. But so it, they it, add, add people yeah. to their, like, basically, they're trying to indoctrinate people into their yeah. little army. So that's like, why. This kid will be a child soldier. Right. Um, so, yeah, Isabel tries to get Laurent to hide himself in Perjean's office. Uh, and she's like, lock the door and then don't come out. And uh, it goes okay. a little Carl Grimes here, but I oh, don't that- hate this destroy. I don't hate this decision. Why? The fact that he forgets to lock the door uh, until the baddies are right outside so they oh. hear it. I was like, yep, that checks out. So annoying because she's like, lock it right behind me. How long did it take him to do it? Like 20 minutes? minutes? Like, it was minutes on. for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> But then they don't come in because Perjan is discovered and they have to all like talk about why do you have a zombie here? Um, and then he, he then Laurent decides to leave the office which I also don't hate because they know somebody's in there. They're going to come and check it later. He just, but instead of what happens, he should have just gone and found a new place to hide. Would have probably helped. Uh, they kill Perjan against the wishes of the nuns. The nuns are upset by this, but that's, I feel like that's their one weak spot. The nuns, they, they, they got everything else dialed in. Uh, well, that and weapons. Um, but then the Laurent, sees that Père Jean has been uh, executed and runs to be like, oh, Père Jean. And Mr. Caudron says, oh, this kid, he's coming with us. He can't be here. And that is when Daryl appears and um, murders one guy and then runs away. This leads to a big fracas. The nuns mm-hmm. go get their weapons and uh, 
the scene is just it's tragic. I'm trying to figure out if I, I don't know, if it should have gone a different way. But there's a, a standoff of three baddies to eight nuns in the courtyard. And, you know, okay, so she makes a big deal. Isabel makes a big deal out of the fact that they have trained in these weapons. And, you know, if you're going to say that, then, you know, I guess that the, that the, you know, the, these baddies have guns and that makes a difference when you're going against medieval weapons. Sure. But they really pause here in a way that doesn't make sense when you see that the dudes are having guns and you have like crossbows and like other and like spears and maces and things like that. Like probably you should just get in on the action and catch them, you know, use the element of surprise. But it's almost like they stand there and they wait for them to shoot them. Yeah, they do. Um, that that I think is bad choreography. Really depressing. Yeah, uh, it's it is. It, I think it's supposed to be depressing, but maybe if they if they'd had the same outcome, but not had the nuns wait to be shot, because yeah. it's like yeah, they wait to be shot and then they charge. No, like two. So two of the nuns are already dead before the battle even begins. Look, I think it's fine to show that they're outweaponed because that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's just the way that they kind of has. It, I don't know. And maybe it's they're hesitating because they're nuns and they don't want to. Right. They're not actually soldiers. They're scared of Daryl walking around unarmed in the right. tour right. earlier. So maybe, so maybe that's we're supposed to surmise, but it's still a little. It's still it doesn't fun. look like fear. But we're focusing on this other nun who is unnamed, but we've had in several shots and is singing at the, toward the end of the episode. We're focused like, in a she, very odd way, but let's go. She, she is the focus of this scene uh, and she looks determined. Also, mm-hmm. she's the only survivor of this battle. <laughs> but so, yeah, eight nuns dead, three soldiers dead. That leaves uh, what? Four soldiers. Is that right? No, there's there were seven initially. There's three, four dead. So three are still alive. Kadron, the young guy, and another uh, red shirt. Red shirt is killed, we think, by Daryl. Um, and then I forget how Philippe, the young soldier, died. Do you remember? It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's shot by Kodron, actually, um, yeah. because of how Daryl is putting him in the way in between them. Uh it, it goes it goes poorly. Um Daryl's actually getting his ass kicked. Yep. Uh, but I think Isabel again, bails him out. To be, once again, in a similar fashion as last time, is rescued by Isabel. He's on the ground, and she takes care of business. Yeah, but Kudron gets away. And even though Daryl shoots him once or twice uh, and shoots at him until he gets away, basically, uh, we know that Kudron, as a regional big bad, is going to be a problem later. And um, I also know this because of... He's hanging out outside and well, this was the fourth time that the vehicle or the third time that the vehicle approached the convent and nobody was aware. I just feel like in a countryside with five cars, you're You're going to know when one of them's around. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, maybe it was drowned out by the singing uh, because that was during the the campfire bonfire scene. And the singing was weird. Like the way they cut that in was very strange. Uh, suddenly, Suddenly it's like Laurence like accompanying the nun. It was very odd. And then they have this little like side conversation with Daryl and Isabel. And it was like, <laughs> all right. And then he's agreeing. He's like, all right. It was like, that was like a little Indiana Jones. It's like, you get me to the port. I'll take you there. Like, you know, like reluctantly, like there's a definitely like an Indiana Jones Han Solo-esque um, vibe going on here. Yeah. Um, and- I don't like that. They also have not introduced the singing nun. 
What hers is her name? I don't even There's... know her name. We've seen her give him food. We've seen her battle. Yeah, give him like sort of side eye here and there. But they, and now she's now she's singing and still no, not even like there. a credit. Right, and she's like also there for the death of the mother superior, but but no introduction. Right. Like who is she? I would like to know her name. Thank you. She does yeah. sing very well. She's got a good voice. Yeah. Uh, so, but the, yeah, the deal is made. Uh, you, I will take you where you need to go if you can get me to the port at La Havre, which is not how you say that in French, but it's the way I know how to say it. I think it's La Havre. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even sure. Um, uh, but, and and yes, get- there is a scene in, in at that very port Yep. where we were, where I was like, sure. Yeah, right. There's still boats coming and going from there. Yeah, yeah. But then it turns out to be, not only plausible, but it's actually how Daryl got to France. It even turns out like crazy. This is a freight ship, like a container ship. And they're moving things on and off. And they've got a lot of people wearing police riot gear. They almost feel like a CRM, but not as futuristic. Yeah. Uh, And there's a very um, despotic feeling lady boss who is, I think, the big bad, not a regional big bad like Kodron true she's like the uh, national big bad perhaps and she's giving the captain of the ship a hard time because uh somebody caused some problems destroyed some research and was thrown overboard and presumed dead and that person's last name was dixon and she's like go find this dixon <laughs> in all, all right, of france that that's the thing it's like where are you gonna find him you're gonna scour what like you have limited amounts of fuel but a lot of fuel to keep these boats going we don't know what the whole deal is with this whole thing, but that he caused some kind of a mutiny and escaped. And she's just really focused on the fact that maybe, just maybe, he survived. Um, and yes, we know he did, but it would be more likely that he didn't. And even if he did, who really cares? Like, what? Is, what we? I think we have to fill in a few more details about what is at stake here, other than just this is a big bad, like weird organization. Yeah. Um, and again, we also, we also are, know that there were prisoners on the boat, a mutiny, yeah. as you descri- described, and there are zombies that they're using as test subjects. Right. We really don't have a lot of information here. And they, they brought these from the States, is what we're thinking, like because Daryl was brought from the States. So they're moving zombies between, you know, the coasts. Uh, definitely a lot of gaps to fill in with this one. Yeah. But I mean, you know, more to come, I'm sure. And I'm sure we'll get a little bit more information as we go on. Um, but um, but overall, like despite my, you know, sort of starkiness about a few of these decisions, um, I did like it. I like that we have in them in a different we have like a different setting finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that this is more successful than Dead City for a couple of reasons. And one is that it's a little bit more open, like the city scenes in Dead City could all just be on a set and probably a lot of them were. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really feel like New York. Maybe it's also because you, I don't know France very well, but at least this feels like a different part of the world. Um, so that's kind of cool. And I like It doesn't having- look like Georgia either, which is nice. Like you could tell True. this is in Southern Europe. This is right, like right. the landscapes are, are great. Yeah. So I, I so do like that. That's kind of nice. And, and, having Daryl negotiate and navigate like this different thing is kind of cool. Um, and you know, we'll have to see what happens with the walkers and why there's these like different varieties. I'm sure they'll come out with that at some point, but I, I did, you know, maybe there's like similar to like the radiation zombies. Maybe there's something that happened to them when they 
turned or there's somebody who turned them. And maybe that's sort of part of the mystery with the boat and the experiments that they're doing. We'll so find out, hopefully. Um, yeah. And uh, there's only six episodes, I think, in this whole season. So uh, we don't have to wait too long to see where they're trying to take us. There is a second season filming yeah. had begun, but then it's, uh, oh, it's continuing due to an agreement between AMC and SAG-AFTRA in, in Europe at a ce moment, as they might say, except they would say it way better than that in France. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I can say I like this better than Dead City because one episode is only one episode, but um, yeah, so far... I agree from the production standpoint. I agree with you. The city in the New York scenes, a lot of it was indoors because of, well, for probably good reasons. The outdoor stuff was often at night and did feel like it was probably on a set or a green screen. Um, there, I will also say that like his arrival in France to the first zombie we really see, it feels like a long time. And the mm. first zombies we see is when he's on that aqueduct and there's a, a really distant shot showing some CG zombies yeah. on, on a different level of it, which I thought was kind of, that's not those, how I want those Roman aqueducts though. Have some staying power. They, they're still around. Yeah. They're still around. Yeah. Good engineering. Um, <laughs> but a great, a great episode. And and uh, I'm looking forward to more of the show and I'm looking forward to more French and more scenes of Daryl learning French, perhaps. Yep. Would make uh, we'll have to see him do that and sign language at the same time. Uh, so I guess we'll continue along with this ride. I believe the next, the second episode airs the, the day we're recording this. So uh, we'll, we'll be a week behind, mm -hmm. but um, barring any incidents, we should be able to stay along with this one and, uh, and, and do a fairly fresh bunch of hot takes for reanimated uh, only being one week after the air. Yeah, indeed. So uh if you'd like to tell us what you think about the first episode, please email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And you can find the rest of our episodes on reanimated.podbean.com. And if you are so inclined, uh, you can also leave us a review on your podcast listening platform of choice that might help us out in this labor of love. <laughs> so I will uh, wish you all. I just yeah, can't. There's au revoir. Au revoir. Yeah. Oh, come see, come sa. Um, we'll stop speaking French. We'll wish you all a, a pleasant uh, rest of your day and uh, check us out next time on Reanimated for more Daryl Dixon. Indeed. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.